Acts chapter 10, verse 1. There was a certain man in Caesarea called Cornelius, a centurion of what was called the Italian Regiment, a devout man and one who feared God with all his household, who gave alms generously to the people and prayed to God always. About the ninth hour of the day, he saw clearly in a vision an angel of God coming in and saying to him, Cornelius. And when he observed him, he was afraid and said, What is it, Lord? So he said to him, Your prayers and your alms have come up for a memorial before God. I want to speak to you today about a memorial before God. And you may be seated. Cornelius was raised in pagan Rome, evidently a pagan himself. His name, the name Cornelius, is a Roman name itself, and it belonged to a distinguished family that lived in the imperial city. And there are others who were associated with high-ranking people or royalty in the Roman Empire who were of the city of Rome themselves. At a young age, Cornelius would have become a soldier serving in the Roman army. He must have shown outstanding leadership ability because he would advance. He was advanced in their system through the rank of ordinary soldiers. He passed his peers by and was promoted because of his excellent character and leadership skills as a soldier. Cornelius earned the rank of a centurion who was a captain or a leader over 100 men. Think of the word century to us, 100. In the days of Jesus Christ in the early church, the Romans occupied Palestine. And when they occupied there, they would conscript local Samaritans and Syrian Greeks to serve in their military. But to make sure it was clearly Roman, they usually kept 600 soldiers who were free Italians that would be kept at the garrison at the headquarters of the Roman government, which was in the city of Caesarea by the sea. This was also the, res the residence of the Roman governor or the procurator. It was with this regiment of Roman soldiers that Cornelius was connected, a captain over 100 men. The Bible tells us that Cornelius, as a soldier, had earned a, a good name among the Jewish people who were there. Now, in Palestine, and especially in Caesarea, there's a lot of racial tension that existed between Jews and Gentiles. The Jews resented that the Romans had occupied their land. And there is a strong military presence there to protect the Roman governor. And so there was usually a lot of friction that went on, animosity between the Jews and the Gentiles. The Romans had to put up with those Jewish people who could be difficult at times. They had a strong nationalistic mindset. And, you know, they even told Jesus one time, we are Abraham's seed. We've never been in bondage to any man. They just had that pride about them, even when it wasn't true. 
Acts 10.22 says that Cornelius had this good reputation among all the nation of the Jews. We learn in this story that it was, was really true that Cornelius was not just a great soldier, not just a great military leader, but he was a very kind man and he was a bridge builder to other people groups. Normally with all this resentment, Cornelius had broken down the wall while he was on post in Palestine. Evidently, he had come in contact with some devout Jews, some sincere men and women who loved Jehovah God with all of their heart. Here is this Roman soldier. Here is this pagan man, a a culture of polytheism, of worshiping many gods. But now he runs into these monotheistic Jews, these Jews that believe, Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God is one. And they, he sees them worshiping God. Now we usually focus on the Pharisees and those who were kind of in leadership and had corrupted themselves. But Cornelius saw something else. He saw sincerity. He saw truth. And he became attracted to the God of the Jews. His pagan heart was hungry to know God. When I read through and thought through this story, I thought, you know, Cornelius... He represents really millions of people around the world who do not know God but want to know God. They don't know everything, but they know something. When the sun comes up or goes down, when they look in the starry sky at night, they see God in creation. They sense Him in their conscience. They know that there must be a God somewhere. Surely He is knowable. We work with people and live around people like that every day. He put eternity in their hearts. So Cornelius begins to see God in the Jewish people around him. He begins to pray to their God. He sees needs of people around him, primarily among the Jewish people. When you, when you kind of search out the people, the use of that word. And so Cornelius, not a super wealthy man, but, but a fairly wealthy man. He's a man of means. And his heart is moved by the needs of people around him. His heart is turning toward God. And his hand is reaching out to needy people. Cornelius is called a one that fears God. He's, he's not a full proselyte to Judaism, but he fears the Lord. And he's praying to God. And he has a desire to know him. He's not just playing church. He wants to know the God of the Jews. And this man of such character and kindness begins to look to Jesus Christ, or God Almighty, the God of the Jews, not really Jesus at this moment. Acts 10 and 2 tells us that he is a devout man, a very devoted man, a sincere man. And he fears God with his household. So this man, with all of his military power and influence, he also has a reputation and influence with his his wife and his kids, his servants, the soldiers that serve under him. When you read this story, you find out that there is a man, there are servants and a soldier that wait on him continually. He's pretty high up and he's got a household of people that live to serve his every whim. And then the Bible says, and this story unfolds, that when 
he was ready to hear the message of salvation. We'll hear this later. That when Peter came to preach to him, that many were come together in his house. If you invited everybody that knew you to come hear a sermon from a Jewish preacher, how many people would you get to come? Going to be a couple or three or five. But the Bible said that Cornelius had so much influence with the people that worked around him that many came to hear. I want to make the point that while Cornelius had power, he also had the authority that comes from who you are. He had a sense of personhood, of respect. So here's Cornelius, a devout man that feared God. And in verse 2, again, it tells us that he gave alms generously to the people. Cornelius is a very generous man. I don't know exactly who he gave to or why he did, but it usually works like this. You see a need. Your heart is touched. Your heart informs your head to do something about it. And your head tells your hand to reach into your wallet, billfold, Reach for your checkbook. Reach for your online bill pay. Cornelius didn't have that. And something, something happens. Wherever that soulish realm is, it happens in your heart. You're moved with compassion. But it has to go past that. It's not just a feeling. For Cornelius, he could have looked around him at needy Jewish people and said, well, look at that widow and there's an orphan over there and there's a person begging on the street, and isn't that sad? But, but Cornelius did something about it. This is the amazing thing about this story, that this man who is a staunch soldier, a guy who is trained to not listen to his heart very much, you know? When you have to kill someone, when you have to enforce the law, you can't be too emotional. But here's a man that is really integrated with his mind and his heart, so he's a powerful man. He's fully soldier, but he's got a huge heart. And he starts giving to people. You know, the Bible says that where your treasure is. Yeah, Matthew 6, 21, you know this verse. Where your, where your treasure is, there, in that exact spot, will your heart be also. So when Cornelius starts giving his hard-earned money to the people who had needs, primarily Jewish people, he started feeling something for them. He started loving these people. And, and obviously from the story, he was also loving their God. How much money did Cornelius give? We don't know. The amount really doesn't matter. The King James said he gave much alms. New Living Translation, excuse me, the New King James, he, he gave generous. I, I don't know what generous giving means to you. What, what does generous giving mean to you? What does having a spirit of generosity mean? Does it mean tokenism? Does it mean just to kind of get that person away? Does it mean kind of being apart just to say that you were apart? I think it goes deeper than that. That the spirit that was moving on Cornelius was a generous spirit that dug down deep. And he didn't have to give. He didn't know anything to these people at all. 
He wasn't even really a religious man by his upbringing, but, but now something is happening in his heart. And when it does, generosity is born out of this man who is fearing God and seeking the Lord. He's not a part of Judaism, so he's probably not giving a temple tax and paying tithes like the Jews did, but he's giving to people. He's giving and he's giving. And while he's giving, the Bible also says that this man who gave also prayed. He was generous and he prayed to God always. Now, most people pray. In fact, I guess probably almost all people pray. They pray that God will get them out of trouble. They pray that God will bless them. But for many, many people, hopefully not us, their prayers are, are situational, like based on a, they're in a jam, they're in a problem. And their prayers are sporadic, not consistent, but not Cornelius. He had that discipline of a military man. So when he gave, he just gave generously. And when he prayed, he prayed always to God. He didn't really know everything about God. I'm not sure he had any physical scriptures he could hold in his hand or read in the Greek. But, but he prayed to God all the time. He's a devout man. And prayer was a constant force in his life. We know that Cornelius was adopting the Jewish habits of prayer. Because when God appears to him, he appears to him when he's praying at about the ninth hour of the day. You may remember from Acts chapter 3 that Peter and John went up to the temple to pray at the hour of prayer being the ninth hour or 3 o'clock in the afternoon. So Cornelius is giving generously. He's praying always. And he's adopted the prayer time of the Jewish people that are around him. Acts 10 and 2, he prayed to God always. Now I want you to make a little note from this story that when you are generous and when you are prayerful, something is going to happen in heaven for you. Amen. Acts 10 and 3, about the ninth hour of the day. Here's Cornelius. He's praying. I don't know where he's praying, but the Bible speaks of this, this coming in. So Cornelius maybe has a prayer room that he set up in his vast house. And he sees a vision of an angel of God. Let me just pause right here to say that God loves lost people. And God hears the prayers of lost people that begin to pray and seek the Lord. He shows visions to people who are lost and need to be saved. Later in the story, we know that he's going to hear words whereby he can be saved. So I just want to mark right now that Cornelius is praying and he's giving, but he's lost. He's not even saved. But God hears his prayers and he knows that he is so devout, 
so sincere and that his giving and his prayers are constant and habitual. And so now an angel comes to this Roman centurion and appears to him, which is fascinating to me. And the angel calls his name. I don't know what that means to you, but if God knew his name, I'm pretty sure he knows my name. And I will guarantee you that he knows, he knows your name. Not just some random person floating along in life. But when you begin to give generously and pray always, there's a God that loves you more than you could ever love him. That knows where you are. He knew where Cornelius was to go to him. And he knows your name and he knows your need. So while Cornelius is praying at three o'clock in the afternoon, this angel appears to him. Cornelius observes him. And he freaks out. He's afraid. What is it, Lord? Now be real. If an angel walked up to you while you were praying, I know you try to be cool and spiritual, but it might mess with you just a little bit. This is a literal appearance of an angelic being that walks into Cornelius' prayer room or wherever he was. And he says to Cornelius, your prayers and your alms have come up for a memorial before God. Cornelius was giving to the people of God who were in need. He was praying to their God, the God that he so desperately wanted to know. How much he gave and how long he prayed, we will never know. But on earth, there was no tangible evidence that anything was going on in heaven. Cornelius didn't know what was going on, but he kept giving and he kept praying. Now, let me just kind of pause right now to say, you may not know if God is hearing you or not, but I assure you that he is hearing you. So even though you cannot see what's going on up there, just keep praying here, knowing that God is working there. Just keep praying and just keep giving because God sees the lack of evidence of what is going on in your world is no indication of what's going on up there. God hears from heaven. He said, if my people, which are called by my name, shall humble themselves and pray and seek my face and turn from their wicked ways, then will I hear from heaven. Then will I hear from heaven and will forgive their sin and will heal their land. We ought to just thank the Lord that he's that kind of God. Here's what I want you to see today, though. Every time Cornelius gave here, something was happening there in heaven. Every time he prayed here, something was happening there in heaven. Because the Lord said to Cornelius, your prayers and your alms have come up before me as a memorial. 
You may not know what's going on up there in heaven when you pray, but every prayer lays a stone, a memorial stone that God will see in heaven. But it is not just a single prayer. It is not just a single act of generosity. But it is a life of prayer and a life of generosity that God says there's something going on up here because of what you're doing down there. Cornelius, your prayers and your alms have come up before me as a memorial. Jesus said it like this. Lay up for yourselves treasures. Matthew 6 and 20. Lay up for yourselves treasures in heaven. Where neither moth nor rust can corrupt and thieves cannot break through and steal. Cornelius didn't know this was going on. Maybe I don't know exactly who he gave to or how he did it. Maybe he saw a little widow woman over there and didn't have any money to feed her kids. And Cornelius saw it and he felt it and he he wrote the check. He gave the money and Cornelius reached out to her benevolently. And when he did, something that he did here changed what was going on up there. He laid another memorial stone. You may remember that in the Old Testament, altars were built of rough-hewn stones. They were memorials. They were reminders of something that had taken place. It was something that was done unto God. But now Cornelius is building a memorial of generosity and of prayer. He didn't know what was going on in heaven. He had no concept of this. But every day when he got up, he prayed. And at three o'clock in the afternoon, evidently that's when he prayed. And when he prayed here, maybe something happened there. But something also happened up in heaven. Every time Cornelius prayed a prayer, another stone, a memorial stone, was laid before the Lord God Almighty up in heaven. Maybe, maybe, I don't know, but maybe Cornelius saw, saw a little orphan kid on the street. And his heart went out to him and his heart told his head to tell his hand to do something. And he went back and got some money and he took that orphan kid and he tried to help him. He's obeying the spirit of religion to take care of the widows and the orphans in their affliction. Maybe one day he passes by and there's a, there's a hungry person He can tell that he's malnourished and Cornelius doesn't have to care. He does not have to care. We do not have to care about the people that live 10,000 miles away or 10 miles away. We don't really have to, but because he cares, his love lives in us and it acts through us and memorials are built in heaven because of what we do on the earth. I don't know, he fed a hungry person and there was a destitute person who had no clothing and Cornelius, you know how it happened, his heart and head and hand and, and then he did something, his, his alms that he was giving on the earth were building a memorial up in heaven and his prayers that he was praying down on earth was building, were building a memorial up in heaven, amen. We've spent 21 days focused on prayer 
and fasting. And I want to assure you that your prayers have been heard. That while you've been praying here and God has been working there, God has also heard your prayers in heaven. It matters when you pray. It matters when you pray. It matters when you fast. Every prayer he prayed was laying up a foundation stone up in heaven. Amen. Something he was doing made a difference. Now let me reinforce this from Matthew chapter 6 and 6. Jesus said, but when you pray, go into your room. And when you have shut the door, pray to your father who is in secret. In the secret place. And your father who sees in secret will reward you openly. That means that God sees you when you pray and he will hear you when you pray. In Matthew 6, 17, Jesus said, but when you fast, anoint your head and wash your face so that you do not appear to men to fast, but your father who is in the secret place and your father who sees in secret will reward you openly. Jesus said in Matthew 6 and 3 about giving, But when you do a charitable deed, do not let your left hand know what your right hand is doing, that your charitable deed may be in secret and your father who sees in secret will himself reward you openly. I believe that I I pray because of what will do, what it will do. And when I fast, I fast because of what it will do. And when I give, I give because of a need. But here's what Jesus said. I'm not making this up. Jesus said, when you pray and when you fast and when you give, that God who sees what you do, he will reward you openly. You are building a memorial in heaven. Amen. So don't worry and don't wonder about whether your prayers are getting through or not. Don't question the wisdom of God or the work of God in your life. You need to have the faith that Cornelius had that you just keep giving and you keep praying and you keep giving and you keep praying and you just put another stone, you know, a prayer on the earth and another generous gift on the earth. Amen. I know you know that today is, is Sheaves for Christ sacrificial offering. This is not tithing. It is not building fund. It goes away from this church to the orphans at Tupelo Children's Mansion. It goes to the missionaries who need a car overseas. It goes to the church planter in North America who needs a property grant. It goes in many places around the world. It goes to the 450 students and leaders who were at Camp Extreme on Friday night where the Spirit of the Lord ministered to them in a powerful way. Every time you give and every time you pray, you're making a difference for someone who is there but you're also building a memorial up there. Everything you do matters to God. You're building a memorial. We couldn't have a memorial that was too tall today. One day, however days go in heaven, 
God Almighty was getting ready to, to go out, you know. The Bible said he's a man of war. He goes out, and I'm using figurative language, right? He got ready to go out and do whatever was on his sovereign mind that day. And when he got ready to leave the house, whatever, he, he, he was walled in. He was like, what? What's this? What's this that's all around me here? I, I've been just being God, and now it looks like something has come up before me as a memorial. What is this? I don't think he had to ask, but there's conversations, you know, with God and angels in the Bible. So <clears throat> just kind of follow along with me. And Gabriel, what is that? Well, God, that's the prayers. That's the giving of Cornelius. And the Lord said, what? Oh, my goodness. You mean that, that centurion, that soldier, that, that Roman, that Gentile man? He's become a God-fearer? Are you telling me he helped that many widows? Seriously, he, he gave to that many orphans? Check that, is that right? He fed that many homeless people? He ministered to the, the least of these, my brethren? He's done it unto me. Look at this memorial. That Cornelius' prayers... And alms have built for me. I've got to do something about this. Cornelius, I've got a lot of my people that don't pray like that. I've got a lot of my people who don't give like that. This Gentile soldier, this captain over a hundred men, what's come over him? He's built this, this memorial to me of giving and praying. We've got to do something about this. I, I'm going to have to get a word to him. He, he's, he's honest hearted, but he's lost. Here's what you do. You angel, go down and appear to him. Tell him to send over to Joppa. I'm going to have to get through to that hard-headed Simon Peter, that preacher, he's there. He's going to be praying too, but he's got a lot of bias and prejudice. He's not going to be open to this, so give him a vision. That convinces him that whatever I have called clean, don't you call common or unclean. I want you to convince Simon Peter. And then I want you to have Cornelius send three men to where Simon is lodged. And I want you to tell the story that I've appeared to you and I've told you to call for Simon Peter and that he's going to tell you what you must do. You're going to hear some words. So they set it up. And Cornelius has a house filled with people. And Simon Peter comes and he hears the story. And then he has this revelation or illumination. He says, I realize that God is no respecter of persons. He doesn't show partiality. And he begins to preach Jesus to Cornelius, whose prayers and whose alms have come up as a memorial to God. And while he is still preaching his sermon, the Holy Ghost falls on Cornelius and their household and they begin to speak with tongues for the very first time in their life because his prayers and his alms his alms and his prayers his prayers and his alms have come up as a memorial before God if you're glad that God hears us when we pray if you're glad that God sees us when we give why don't you 
clap your hands and why don't you shout and why don't you thank him? Oh, why don't you really thank him, Cornelius? Hallelujah. 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 That's it. Really shout. Really give it your best. Be seated just a moment. What I want you to know today is that I know when you pray here, God works there. Amen. The Bible said God is not unrighteous to forget your labor of love. How you do minister to the saints and minister to the saints and do minister. Sometimes we... Sometimes because we cannot see any evidence of our giving and our praying, we lose heart. We feel like it's not working. I don't know how many prayers it takes, how many generous acts it takes. I don't think that's even the point. But a life that's turned to God and a life that is compassionate and generous toward people is something that gets the attention of God. You can't earn his love and you can't buy his blessings. But he designed these principles that when you pray in secret and when you fast in secret and when you give discreetly in secret, you know, in our church, even though you're going to turn in a card today, this is not widely known. No one's going to raise their hand to say they're going to give $5,000 or $1,000 or, or a dollar. No one is going to know that in our church with the people who handle this money all the time. But when you, when you give here, you're building a memorial there. Would you bow your heads right now? Jesus, I come in your holy name. And I thank you that you put this message in my heart so that we could see the effect of our prayers. So that we could see the impact of our giving. We give, Lord, because of the needs of people. We give, Lord, because of obedience to your word. But Lord, thank you Thank you that you see. And I pray, oh God, that you would let the decisions be made today for a sacrificial offering today. But even bigger than that, Lord, that you would break the spirit of stinginess and selfishness that is rooted in American materialism. And you would give us a spirit of generosity. Help us be encouraged about our praying and our fasting. That our prayers and our generosity is building a memorial that will gain the attention of Almighty God. Thank you for seeing your people 
and their devotion to you. In Jesus' name, amen. There's a Sheaves for Christ card in front of you. And I would ask you today to make a commitment to be generous with the Lord. Today is a commitment Sunday. You have until September 10th to fulfill your commitment to Sheaves for Christ. And maybe there are some other ways in the, the generosity of your life that you need to make some wonderful changes that will matter for you and others and to God. So I'd like for you to please fill out this commitment card right now, right where you're sitting. Brother Joel mentioned the other ways that you can give and they can display the text to give screen right now. The mechanics matter because if the money isn't received, it can't be given outside of our church to bless. So if you'd please commit this card, complete this card and make your commitment today because it helps us track what we can expect. I pray, Lord, that you would encourage somebody right now who has lost heart, God, that their spiritual disciplines are working. They've wondered, Lord, what really takes place when they pray and when they give. And I'm asking you right now, Lord, to give them faith that they're building a memorial to God. That what is happening here on earth in our giving and our praying is building something in heaven. In Jesus' name right now, I pray, oh God, let this get in our hearts today. In Jesus' name. Amen. I'm giving you just a moment to complete this card. If you're not able to come to the altar, choose to not come to the altar. We've asked our ushers to remain in the back today. So as you leave, you can drop that commitment card in the altar. What I'd really like for you to do is, if you're able, that in a moment when we stand, that you would come and just place your commitment card on the altar. Don't leave too far, but just move away a little bit. You can lay your card anywhere across this altar. It doesn't have to be right here up front. And then we're going to pray. But I, I want to say, as I prepared and prayed over this message, that I feel like maybe there's a Cornelius in this house right now. And you're not really 100%. You don't even understand all about the Bible. But your heart has been touched by the Lord and you've been praying. I want you to know that the Lord has heard your prayers today. And if you will turn from your sins in repentance, asking God to forgive you of your sins, if you'll turn your life over to the Lordship of Jesus Christ, something will change in you. He will fill you with His Spirit. You'll have the privilege of being baptized in the name of Jesus for the remission of sins. I can't wait to see what God is going to do for a Cornelius person who is in the house today. Amen? Would you just thank the Lord right now? Already, your prayers and your alms have come up as a memorial before God. Now let's stand and let's move to the altar. Would you join me here? And would you come in faith that God sees and that God hears and that your giving is building a memorial. We believe that giving is spiritual. 
we know that prayer is spiritual and so we come knowing that it is not by might it is not by power it is by the spirit of the lord that is moving here right now